Hey lovers, thank you for joining me this week for another episode of Polly in Real Life, a polyamory and sex podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about the orgasm gap and I'm going to be sharing my five tips to closing that gap and taking charge of your pleasure. I hope you enjoy. So today we are talking about the orgasm gap and it has come to my awareness that a lot of people still don't know what that is and I was kind of shocked but then I realized that I had just recently found out what the orgasm gap was like exactly and I did a little bit of my own research to really get the numbers and the stats and exactly what it is Um, and then I asked both of my partners about it and neither of them knew what it was. Um, They kind of had an idea. One person thought that the orgasm gap had to do with recovery time and how women can have multiple orgasms during one session and men can have one and then it takes a little bit longer to recover so they can't have, you know, back-to-back orgasms like women can. So there's this misconception that I didn't even know existed about orgasm gap and um, this is definitely something that I have learned recently. I mean I've always known or you know at the start of my sexual awakening or um, I don't know what else to call it that just feels feels like the right word for me but um, when I started learning that because I've always been able to orgasm Um, but I, once I learned that there are women out there that have never had an orgasm in their life or that don't masturbate or that they just don't know their bodies like that, I was a little bit shocked because I just thought that everybody kind of took the time to learn their bodies, but that's not the case. Um, so I have put a list together of five different things that we can start doing today, um, to start closing this gap. And I want to start by sharing this is the statistics. Um, so the studies done were on heterosexual couples. Um, so cis hetero women and cis hetero men, but the, the largest gap that we see is, oh my God, my cat. Sorry about that. The largest gap that we see is in the hetero um, category of men and women. So only 65% of women say that they orgasm from, um, or like during a sex session, let's call it. Um, Whereas 95% of men say they orgasm every time. So that's a problem. Uh, As you can see, we have men and women having sex with each other, but only 65% of women are having orgasms, whereas men, 95% of men are having orgasms. So that is what the orgasm gap refers to, is that gap, that uh, 30% difference. Um, I don't remember what year this is from, but it could be different now. Um, 
but I will have to look for more updated studies then. So this is what we're uh, referring to when I say orgasm gap. Um, all right, so I'm just going to get right into to my list um, because I think these things will address, will, will address um, some of the issues that I believe are causing this and contributing to this gap. And number one, I have... Um, to take charge of your own pleasure. You know, we are taught many different things. Uh, it really depends, too, on how we grew up. Like, if you're growing up in a more conservative or religious um, household, or you're just growing up in, in, in an environment where sex is not talked about, you're not really becoming educated, where the education that you're getting is only from school or your peers... Um, and you're not really getting a solid education about pleasure. And you're also not being made feel like it's okay to feel pleasure. Um, and like your pleasure is for yourself and not necessarily for somebody else. So what we need to start doing is it's really a mental thing. You need to start educating yourself. Um, so this means educating yourself about all the different types of orgasms because women can have so many different types of orgasms. You know, we have the internal, external. You can have a combination of both. You can have cervical orgasms. Like, it's it's crazy the amount of orgasms and the intensity and the depth of orgasms that we can have. So I find it a little, a little bit sad that women aren't experiencing this, this intensity of pleasure. And it starts with educating yourself um, on your anatomy. You know, do you know what everything does? Um, do you know your own body? Do you know where everything is? What everything looks like? Um, so I think that is really, really important. Um, also examining your core beliefs about pleasure, about sex, sexuality, and orgasm. Because a lot of times it's it's an internal thing. It's a mental thing that keeps us from having an orgasm with a partner or with ourselves. Um, again, getting back to those core beliefs that you may have grown up with and starting to change those and change the way that you think about sexuality, change that perspective into a more positive one, into a perspective of feeling like you deserve this pleasure. And you can start asking yourself questions like, what turns you on? What makes you feel sexy? And this is actually, like, this can be a really fun experience. You know, you can try different lingerie. You can try different accessories. You can play around to find what it is that you like. You know, do you like different textures? Do you like the feel of leather or fur or lace? Do you like lingerie? Do you just like being completely naked? Like, this can be a really fun time of exploration and learning yourself. And I think this, because this is, this is not something that is encouraged for young women to do or for young teenage girls to do to discover their own bodies and pleasure. Um, so this, this step, um, you can take this time to have fun with it and find success with it. Um, and it, it, and also be patient because it does take time. Like you're not just going to one night figure it all out. It takes time. So be patient with yourself. 
express gratitude for yourself that you've even embarked on this journey to learn yourself. Like this is a huge step. And I think this is truly an expression of self-love in taking charge of your own pleasure. Um, It's so empowering and you'll learn so much about yourself and you'll be really grateful that you did. And I think your partners or partner will be too. So my next um, step to closing the orgasm gap. Oh, actually, no, I want to go back to my first point. Um, one tool that can be really helpful in discovering or learning more about, you know, your own pleasure and what turns you on are the sexual blueprints. Um, there's a quiz, so you can just go online and Google sexual blueprints. Basically, I think there's five of them. So it's kind of like five different sexual, um, personalities, I guess I would call them. Um, And each of them describes a way to turn on because not everybody turns on the same way. So it's kind of like the love language, but in regards to sex and sexuality. So some people turn on from energy, from breath, from light touch, And that's going to be more of your energetic blueprint. Then there's people that are more um, sexual, that like a little bit of a harder touch and, and so on. There's other, other blueprints, but each one describes a way for you to turn on. And, you know, you don't have to stick to this. You don't have to let this identify your pleasure or your turn ons. But I think this is for somebody that's never really taking a look at their own pleasure, I think this is a really good way to start is by taking the quiz, figuring out which one it is, um, or even like your top two or three, and just play around, um, whether it's with yourself or with a partner. Play around like touching yourself very lightly, play around touching yourself a little bit harder, and um, and you'll figure out, you know, what really excites you, what really turns you on and gives you that full body excitement. Okay, now we can move on to the next tip take charge of your health, uh, your physical and your mental health. Your health can really affect your sex drive. And I think this gets overlooked. People uh, tend to go straight for, you know, the sexual aspect of it. Um, But your health is really important, especially your mental health. Again, sex starts in the brain. And um, turn on, I feel like, starts in the brain. And um, so we have to take care of that part. Also, um, so like your diet can play a role in your sex drive. Birth control um, can play a role in your sex drive. Um, If you're taking anxiety medication or antidepressants, all of those things can play a role. So you got to figure out, you know, is, is something, you know, affecting your sex drive? If not, then that's great. Um... But it's always good to look at, just just take a look, you know? Um, you may find that there isn't anything wrong with that or that your sex drive isn't really affected by, by anything, at least in a negative way, so you don't really have to worry so much about it. But, of course, you know, um, good diet, exercise, um, water intake, good sleep and rest, just a balanced life with minimal stress um, can really affect your sex drive in a more positive way. Number three, use toys, or at least try to play around. You know, you may find that you don't like them, but 
many people decide that they do <laughs> once they try them. Um, many women are actually in their late 20s, all the way up to mid 30s, um, when they purchase their first sex toy. Um, so these can be really useful. Like, don't be ashamed to try different things. And I know it can be overwhelming um, when you're walking into the sex shop for the first time and you see all of these different things, some of them that look very unfamiliar and you have no idea what they're for. Um, I understand. It can be extremely overwhelming. So I would recommend maybe going online first, reading blogs, reviews, um, and just kind of narrowing it down with something that you want to start with. So for example, I started with a crystal wand. Um, it wasn't like, it was literally a, um, a rose quartz crystal. And it's, it wasn't like an electronic toy. I didn't have to charge it. I didn't have to do anything with it. I just kind of played around with like the sensation of it, the temperature, um, different things. And that's how you learn. You know, you may not have success the first time, but just keep trying different things. Um, there are so many different toys out there, and I promise you, you will find something. You just have to look and do your research. All right, number four, communicate. As in any other relationship, communication is key. I mean, we hear this all the fucking time, like, it's like a broken record, communicate, 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 um, so this is going to pertain more to when you are playing with a partner or, um, partners, um, so we have two different types of communication, there's verbal and nonverbal, so verbal is when you're actually speaking as you're communicating, nonverbal are, you know, clues, that you give your partner um, using your body and facial expressions. So clues that you're giving your partner without having to speak. So I'll give you some examples. So for verbal communication, you want to, maybe as you're engaging in activities, you can say, oh, I really like that. Or just say, I, I don't like that so much. Can we go back to doing this? And that's like really, really simple. That's a really simple way to communicate to your partner what you like and what you don't like. Um, and then once you're comfortable saying those things, once you're, because it does take a little bit of time to open up and really feel, you know, like you have to create the safe space with your partner in order for you to feel comfortable. And that can take a little bit of time. But your partner will really, really appreciate it because it makes it easier for them. They don't, it takes the guesswork out of it. You know, they, they don't have to wonder, oh, does, do they like this? Um, or should I be doing something different? So you're really taking charge here. You're really taking control of your pleasure. And in doing that, you're creating an even more pleasurable experience for your partner as well. Um, so then your nonverbal cues are going to be, like I said, facial expressions, maybe even uh, like sounds that aren't really words or just like different clues with your body. So for example, one thing that I like to do 
say my partner is like using their hands, right? If their hand is in a spot that I don't like so much, I will actually move their hand and I'll just say, oh, maybe just right here. Um, And then they know like, you know, that's where I like to be touched versus over here. Or, or like say if I'm being choked and maybe it's like a little too hard, I'll just like grab their arm or tap their arm and then that person knows like, okay, maybe I need to lighten up a little bit. And, um, yeah, so it's like little things like that that you can do to communicate to your partner. And then there's also, um, communication that happens outside of sex. You can, you know, bring up topics like, oh, I got this new toy and I really liked how it made me feel. And maybe you can start talking about, you know, what, what exactly happened with this toy during your solo play and, um, you know, that, that got you off or that you really, really liked. And I think having these conversations can really, having the conversations outside of sex can make it a safe space then to have conversations during sex because you've already had the conversations, you know, you've had a good experience with it, talked about maybe like, oh, next time I want to try this. And then you know when you're getting into your playtime, you've already talked about what you like, what you don't like, what you want to try, and all of that stuff. You've talked about your boundaries, um, you've talked about the toys you've used, how you play with yourself. That was another thing that I missed in the first one, Um, in taking charge of your own pleasure, masturbate. You know, learn to masturbate, learn how you orgasm. Because if you don't know how to orgasm on your own, if you don't know what it takes your body to get to that point, then nobody else, you know, will know how. And I mean, they may figure out, you may find a partner who will figure it out, but that's very unlikely. And it'll take a lot longer to get there than if you figure it out on your own. All right. And the last one, this is probably the most important one. Like this should have been number one. Don't fake your orgasms. So when we were talking about communication, this goes hand in hand with that. When you're faking an orgasm, you're communicating to your partner that what you what is happening is enjoyable to you, that what is happening made you climax, although it's not true. But then your partner thinks that. Um... And this does a disservice to everybody because then, you know, you fake it. Your partner thinks they're doing a great job. Your partner thinks they know what it is that it takes to get you to orgasm. When in reality, you're not enjoying yourself. You are putting yourself in a disempowered state, but then you're also doing a disservice to your partner and a disservice to their partner's you know, or their future partners, because then, you know, men will go on if they think, oh, I did this and it made her, you know, it made her orgasm. I'm going to try it with this person. And the, and the cycle just keeps going on and on and on. And sometimes I think, you know, men get a bad rap for, um, not knowing how to do something, you know, like, oh, they can't find the clit. They can't, 
you know, make me come. They can't do this or that. It's like, well, are you taking the responsibility to show your partner what it takes to make you orgasm? You know, this, this isn't a space for guesswork. If you really want to take charge of your pleasure. And that's super important. So faking it, like faking it is not going to help you out in any way. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help your partner, your future partners, your other partners, if you're non-monogamous. And, you know, and I think if you feel safe with your partner, I think safety too is really important. If you feel safe with your partner, then you're less likely to fake it, more likely to communicate. And also... I think um, getting out of the out of your head that you have to orgasm every time that sex always has to lead to orgasm, and it's it's ironic because when you think that way, you're you're more present. You are enjoying every moment, and you're actually more likely to orgasm. Even though you're saying to yourself, oh, this doesn't have to end in orgasm. As long as, you know, this just has to be, I just want this to be a pleasurable experience, you know, and just kind of go with it. But because you're letting go of that attachment to the outcome, you're more likely to orgasm because you're relaxed. You're just in full receptive mode and you're, you're able to let go. And if you are still not having orgasms, then go right back through the list. You know, where else, what other things can you do to learn about your turn-ons? What other things can you do to communicate with your partner or to learn how your body's communicating with you during your solo play? Um, Again, solo play is so important. But yeah, that's, those are my five tips take charge of your own pleasure, take charge of your health, use toys, communicate whether it's verbal, nonverbal, or both, and don't fake your orgasms. So I hope you were taking notes. I hope all of that made sense. I tried to keep it as simple as possible and kind of um, made the list based off of my experience. Um, I learned my body at a very, very young age. I started masturbating when I was like nine or ten and once I started like I couldn't stop once I gave myself my first clitoral orgasm it was over from there like I couldn't stop and um however that part was easy for me but learning my pleasure in other ways was something that took a long time. Um, I feel like it wasn't until like after I had my second daughter that I really started to dig deep into sexuality, figuring out, you know, my own beliefs, kind of going through the motions of this list that I just shared with you and, uh, and really learning my body in other ways. You know, that was the first time I learned that it's possible to even have a cervical orgasm And I was just kind of blown away, like, what? You know, um, these are things that we're not taught as we're growing up. This isn't something that we're taught in health class or anything of that sort. Um, So my journey, you know, has been a little bit similar to the majority of women. Like, it took me a while to learn how to orgasm. 
um, during sex. And there was a time in my life where because of religious um, upbringing and just very, very bad sex ed, there there was a, a time in my life where I then developed shame around masturbation, shame around pleasure, and I kind of did block myself from experiencing orgasms. And, um, but I, you know, now have fully stepped in and taken charge and I have like great sex. And I think it's because just because of that, that first step, I took charge and I also, um, take charge of the space and try my best to create a safe space I have found myself in situations that didn't feel so safe. Um, so it, it depends on the partner as well, you know? That can affect the experience as well. Um, but then those are partners that I don't go back to if if I don't enjoy it. And, you know, we're, it's always a work in progress. It's not like you're going to reach a point where you're, like, completely liberated Um, because there's other things that are going to happen, you know, life gets in the way, especially if you have children, if you have a very busy life, it's hard. It, it really is difficult to, you know, have sex and not think about the five baskets of laundry that need washed in, you know, in the laundry room. It's hard not to think about like, oh shit, I forgot to write such and such an appointment on my calendar. And you know, once, once that one little thought pops up, like it's over, it's hard to come back from that. So learn from your experiences, learn from your solo play and just, just strap yourself into the roller coaster ride and just go with it. And that's, that's my best advice that I can give as far as taking charge of your own pleasure is just go with it. Once you start it's just like one thing will lead you to the next. And as long as you're engaged in it, uh, fully open to learning, you know, without self-judgment, which sometimes can be hard to not judge ourselves and not be so hard on ourselves. Um, so that's another lesson within this big lesson is uh, self-love, less self-judgment, creating a safe space for ourselves, you know, to be able to experience these things. Um, once you you start your journey... It's difficult to um, get off that path, you know, Um, because once you experience a little bit of pleasure, you just want more and more. And then when you experience a new type of orgasm, you're like, oh, I wonder what I can do next. Once you play with a toy you really like, oh, I wonder what other kind of toy I would really like. And then you can start doing like partner toys and partner play. And it's really fucking fun (laughs) to just let loose and play. I think this, you know, as adults, this idea of play almost doesn't exist. Like when we think of play and fun, we think of kids running around and, you know, playing with their dolls or whatever. Um, And it's not something that we carry on into our adult lives. We become adults and then take everything so seriously. And like we have our jobs and our families and our relationships and whatever it may be. We have our goals, but don't forget to play. Don't forget to always come back to this excited, curious nature 
um, that we're all born with. You know, we're born with that curiosity, that drive to learn. We're all born to seek things that give us joy. And so, yeah, in adulthood, I think one of our challenges is getting back to that place of curiosity, of learning, of being excited about something new and, you know, exploring things that bring us joy and that make us feel good and happy. So those of you who have been following the podcast since I launched, you know that sound. You know it's time for a sex story, right? <laughs> um, I haven't done one of these segments in a really long time because I just, I haven't really promoted people submitting their stories. I haven't really shared my stories. But something happened yesterday that I thought was really funny and that I wanted to share. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what, you, what I talked about today. And uh, playing, trying new things, uh, taking charge, asking for what you want. So I have been seeing somebody for a few months now. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the label is. Uh, I think the closest thing to it would be friends with benefits, but it's also a little bit more. So I, I honestly don't know. But a big part of the relationship has been us trying new things with each other and like anytime we want to try something new we'll let each other know and um so yeah we're kind of just taking time and creating space to discover some new kinks some new desires and act them out with each other and we've done quite a few different things and um this happened so randomly but yesterday he sent me a picture of a ring pop and he said ring pop for the win and I just got this nostalgic feeling because I haven't had a ring pop since I was a kid and and um it got me thinking about some of my favorite candies as a kid and I immediately thought about the little packets of candy that came with like this white stick like it was like a stick candy thing and you dipped it in these powders and um they were different flavors and those were like one of my favorite candies as a kid. I didn't remember what they were called, but he was like, I think they're called Fun Dip. So I looked it up and that's what they were called. It's Fun Dip. It's um, from the 90s. Like that's that's such a vivid memory. Like I, I just remember really enjoying it. It's kind of like the pixie stick powder, but like in a packet and you dip this, can this like candy stick in it. And um my mind immediately went to a really naughty place and I was just so straightforward. I was like, so are you going to let me suck some of this uh, fun dip off your dick or not? Nah? <laughs> Super straightforward. Um, and he was actually 100% down. I was like, don't fucking play with me because I will order that shit right now if you are serious about this. So he said, yeah, and I ordered the fun dip and I got the packet that's actually a mystery flavor because I thought it would be fun to test out the flavors and try to guess them. So, you know, I got the Amazon Prime, so that should be here like tomorrow or the next day. And I'm really fucking excited to, to play with some candy. 
So let this be a lesson that sometimes you just have to be really straightforward. I mean, what do you have to lose? What's the worst that could have happened? He could have been like, no. And then I would have just been like, okay. But you got to shoot your shot. You know what I mean? Like you just got to boss up and just ask for what you want. And that's how you, that's how you take charge. All right, you guys, it is that time to wrap it up. I uh, had a lot of fun making this episode. Um, I feel like it was very informative. And uh, these are all things that I still apply to my life, especially in sexuality, um, just taking charge, discovering, being open to discovering new things. Um, but yeah, so I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you subscribing um, to the podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at the Polly Pocket. I post pretty frequently on there and I make new episodes every Thursday. You can uh, download your episodes. It really helps me out. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Red Circle, which is my main platform. I will talk to you very, very soon. Damn, 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 damn,